Welcome to the Nightbird Radio Podcast. I'm Timothy Saylor, and I'm going to be your host this evening as we sound out the subconscious, navigate the nocturnal, and explore the farthest reaches of our experience. Coming at you from the back of an 86 Dodge Ram van on the rolling foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in the Great Forest, deep in the heart of the Kali Yuga. This is Radio for the Hauntological Turn. This episode of the Nightbird Podcast was brought to you by yours truly. If you'd like to support the show and hear your name read at the top of the episode, go to www.nightbirdpodcast.com and navigate to the Support the Show page. I've also updated that page to include more options besides just PayPal. Thank you so much for your generous support. And welcome back, Nightbirds. It's great to have you back, and it's great to be back. On this episode, I was joined by Matt Boisvert. Matt is a multidisciplinary artist and energetic healer based in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. He produces comics, paintings, music, children's books, lectures on meditation, sound, and more. We talked about all kinds of fascinating topics, including the real invisibles, the internet as a Watiko hypersigil, the living field and our part in it, heart-based meditation, collective memory and Mandela effect, the manufacturing of consensus reality, pleomorphism and sonic healing, reclaiming agency, being liberated by gratitude, conspiracy thinking as a countercurrent to the story-making of the empire, making art with the elements, and much, much more. Matt even shared some personal spooky stories with us. So without further introduction, let's get to the conversation. Matt Boisvert, welcome to Nightbird Radio. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Before we started recording, we were talking about um, we were talking about some of your dystopic dystopian fiction. <laughs> Do you remember mm-hmm. what thread you were on when you? Oh yeah, it was just recording. We were just talking about like um, how, as an artist, like uh, art comes from like a, a place, uh, and especially when you're really young, it's kind of hard to pinpoint. You don't really understand and. And I have so much, like it's just a large body of art and some lots of stuff doesn't like I have like my books. I don't really I've never really published them, but I had to like complete them for my own edification. And uh, and in music and everything, they all sort of have like a a weird, almost like personal grimoire kind of feel mm. where you, you kind of see sometimes when you were working on something that you were tuning in to something uh not like like oh i'm psychic i predicted everything but that's not that's not what it's about it's more like little sinks and breadcrumb kind of things um that sink to your own life almost personally more than to the world at large so the one book i wrote was like sort of took place in this world where everyone had been microchipped in their thumbs and it was after like a false flag event that uh in the wake of the false flag event something something was released and there was a respiratory illness that was killing everybody and so that made everyone get these my it was the way to push these microchips in uh so that's i don't think i have to explain how that was kind of a weird grimoire <laughs> nod uh another character in that uh has like two different colored eyes and that was like a big part of it uh and then my daughter ended up being born with uh uh-huh. with two different colored eyes that makes me think of david bowie as well who yeah well i cite david bowie kind of in it too because 
in it, it happens in the same way where it's like an accident that uh, would cause trauma to the eye. Um, yeah, so it's very strange. But no, she's she's just born with it, like half of her eyes. That's really, really fascinating. I think yeah. that there is... Okay, so what I, I've got have thoughts about that. <laughs> I think it's like a little bit of everything, right? So you said it's not just like a, a psychic thing, but I think there is a psychic element to it. Mm-hmm. But then I also do think that there is like... Because uh, Grant Morrison talks about this too. Like when he was writing The Invisibles, he... Um, the main character who's like modeled after him it looks just like him is like tortured and has this like i can't remember what exactly it was it was like some sort of acid or something on his face and it like eats up his face and gets all like fucked up and then in life he got like some sort of infection where like this a similar thing happened and you hear all kinds like you hear about this a lot like um like it's kind of a common thing it's like you're hyper sigiling basically mm-hmm. right and yeah so i think it what i'm trying to say i think is it's so much weirder probably than we could even really imagine what is happening right absolutely i think it's it probably leans towards you know like all all points in time and space exist simultaneously yeah that <laughs> yeah. was my if the audience yeah, can't see right. it but i'm putting my fingers see together fingers, in a very yeah. cool way yeah. <laughs> you just have to imagine them together. You're going to have to imagine coming them together. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you should. It's worth it. Uh, yeah, no, the hyper sigil thing is uh, is totally something that I've come across uh, since then, too. And it, honestly, I kind of got, got a little spooked. I just, and it was like, it would even happen when I was writing books, like more like young adult fiction, like for younger kids and stuff. And, and that would have like, little nods and things that would kind of happen as well. And it was just like, like spooky. <laughs> and yeah. so it's not that I was like, Oh my God, like things I'm writing are like, like happen, you know, but I just kind of, I think more what I realized was, um, even though it felt like something that I had to put down and had to write, like I wasn't when you're existing in that headspace, like existing in that kind of world, uh, for that long, like I just kind of felt like that kind of writing wasn't, doing me any favors on a on a personal and spiritual level yeah and so, so I, I have like i just keep them they're on my shelf and i got my books you know and stuff there and yeah it's uh it, it's wacky when i was really young i was writing like trying to write like kurt vonnegut more yes yeah. and uh i had this book about a guy who lived in the wake of uh what was essentially the largest mass suicide on the planet where everyone bought into uh, this newfound religion, which came out called like, it was called Capitology in the book because I was like 18, making shit up, right? But yeah. uh, it was it was like a merge of like, um, like capitalism and like Scientology. And then it had, they just threw in like fantasy elements, like Warcrafty, like Lord of the Rings shit, just f- for no reason, like just to, because that's what was popular at the time. It, it was marketed, Yeah, right? hell yeah, it sounds pretty good, actually. And the whole thing was created by these guys who were just sitting down to try and create the most best-selling book ever. And so they were breaking down the formulaic elements of everything. And then someone points out to them, actually, the, you know, the best-selling book is the Bible. And so they realized that a religious element was what needed to be in their formula. Oh yeah. And that's like really how L Ron Hubbard like did it. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so anyways, in this, it's about this, like, cause I was trying to write like Vonnegut. So it's about like a sad, lonely dude who's like got a grandmother, evil grandmother who's on life support and he's just living in this house. And there's barely any people because 
everyone bought into this religion. And then when the big signal happened in the sky, and this was actually before I knew about like Project Bluebeam and things like that. But in in the book, it was like a series of flashes that came from satellite, like Microsoft owned satellites and stuff that projected different images of um, the people, what the people expected to see. And then they all just like ate a pill that they had gotten the mail and just died. And so that was, this is the world that they were like living in. And it was just, it was just so weird. The parallels with, um, with how, like how many things have become so zealous. They're almost religions these days, things that um, used to be, yeah. you know, um, have a lot more ground to stand on, you know, like back in the day, scientists were like, questioning science is literally how you do science. Like, no one would be like, don't question the science because scientists would be like, well, no, that's, that's the whole fucking point. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, a, that's what we do. And, and things like uh, the new, what was the new one? They said the speed of science. And so in my mind, I thought, yeah. oh, so like, <laughs> like 20, 30 years, multiple levels of, you know, review and no, none of, none of, none of that. Oh, Okay. <laughs> okay yeah we're not doing that anymore it's dogma no. we're doing Speaking, dogma now science comes out faster than tweets now i guess is <sighs> what their the implication was yeah it's worrisome yeah but i think there's a strong body of people um and I, i've experienced this uh, myself so it's not something because you, you can't see it really so much on the internet but you can feel it in smaller communities uh on online and then just like people around but most people are are not falling like so deeply for all the 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 crap anymore like a lot of people are are very smart and um and i just don't see things going like as dark as as many people think that it is um just because from my own experience there's been you just don't know that all these people who are kind of on the same level as you exist because they're not the assholes who are shouting online and writing on all caps and spending their whole day from waking moment, changing Wikipedia and doing things like that. Um, the people who are actually like making the biggest, like spiritual and energetic change on our planet are, are their ghosts. They're, they're invisibles. They really are. And they're not in the crazy, like matrix leather, way or posting on instagram about how witchy right. they are it's like people who are families and like farmers and truckers and it's just everyday people who are becoming more and more spiritual um well yeah down, uh, yeah Go sorry on. to interrupt no <laughs> i was gonna say because it's almost as if um actions are more important than words crazy <laughs> right <laughs> someone these these should be philosophies Right. <laughs> a great one the other day we came up with which was uh you know treat others how you want to be treated blew my mind yeah right crazy stuff you get killed for saying stuff like that so much um, trademark <laughs> yeah you watch out though you get you definitely you get crucified for that kind of shit um, oh i know <laughs> <laughs> love thy neighbor dude like yes um yeah kingdom and of it's, heaven it's is cool. within you because i was even i was just reading Oh my God. Now I can't remember if it was Charles Eisenstein or if it was a Greg Braden thing. Um, but they're, uh, they're both kind of down that same area. Um, but it was talking about, uh, uh, how many farmers like modern farmers have in like the last like two years or so, because the soil was so bad, like started leaning into like more traditional like, indigenous practice, it like practices and beliefs and stuff. And like opened up more to things and, 
Oh, you know what? I believe it was Charles Eisenstein because he said a line about how he was barefoot and, uh, and the, um, the farmer guy was like, Oh, you're, you're earthing or, or something to that effect. Like he had like a, a terminology that he called it and he didn't mock. And he was like, yeah, I've heard that's really good. Like my son does that or something. And it's just, that's the kind of shift. And those people are not, you know, uh, letting their opinions be known on Reddit or, you know, <laughs> taking the time right. to tweet. Because they're, they're, they're actually living. stewarding the, the planet like I think, you know, humans are probably supposed to be doing. Yeah. Right. How? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Living, uh, just uh, a better way to live. I mean, you know. Yeah. It's just. It's. um in my opinion, is just objectively better. But, you know, people can do what they want. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anyone how to live. That's the thing. Like, that's yeah. that's another part of it, too. It's like those people it aren't is. out there telling people how to live because they know that that's not... I was just talking about this sort of thing um, with uh, Natalia on the last episode. And we were talking about how, just like what you said, the only way to really bring about, and it's it's kind of a cliche, but it's one of those ones that's like, well, let's like actually. Are you gonna Gandhi? Are you gonna quote the Gandhi? <laughs> no, I I just be, I'm, be the change like, you want to see in the world. Well, it's, I mean, it's true. Yeah, but like tend yeah. to your own garden, or like just yeah, oh, find yeah. your own business is even a good one. Um, um yeah, and that's it's, like been uh, weaponized in a way, but it really is like saying like, yeah, take care of your shit. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah, how I, that it spreads from there. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, kind of that philosophy is like, of, I don't, I don't really care what you do as long as it's not infringing on the rights of other people to do what, what they want to do. You know, like yeah. there is sort of a, a cooperative mutual respect, uh, thing that once existed, uh, but I, I is really, uh, the, the internet has not been great for the mental health of our society. <laughs> it's almost like it is a military mind control yeah. um, technology that yeah. was designed by such folks, yeah. which is uh, one I've got coming out probably right before this one. I talk about that son. Yeah. It's, it's, it was created by ARPA, which is now DARPA. Like, mm -hmm. so, I've heard it referred to as, um, as like Wetiko basically like the mind it, like when yes. like the mind virus yeah the, it the is inversion yeah the inversion of everything and that's the weird thing to live to see it, it, that's one of those weird weird things too where you think like okay was 1984 supposed to warn us or was 1984 put in all the schools so that everyone would read it and everyone would obsess about mm. it and it would manifest into reality and yeah. then you're like oh god no was i being warned or, or right. was i contributing well like yeah what's the difference between predictive programming and actual um, like sigil magic through the shifting of consciousness, like yeah, it's kind of yeah, mind like, bending to think about. Because <laughs> I, I do, um, I do do lectures on like heart based meditation, and I love heart based meditation. Um, for like I lecture mostly to teachers at like teachers conventions, and uh, so I guess a little bit about the background for that is I have about um almost 20 years in early childhood education. I started working with like boys and girls club in Winnipeg. And then I worked in some, uh, in childcare. I worked in childcare with like my family business for a while and I taught preschool and I'm currently like a substitute, uh, preschool teacher as well. Anyways. Uh, so I started lecturing at teachers conventions on meditation and I just found that I used to do, like I, I used to do those things and I would go to them and they would 
have one session where they teach you like seven different forms of meditation. And then you walk out and you're like, yeah, awesome. And by the time you get to your car, you're like, I don't, I don't remember any of it. It's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> um, or the, the alternate thing that would happen, and this is not exclusive to uh, these conferences because I, you know, mind, body, spirit things and stuff as well uh, in the more esoteric community. You have the people who spend 60 of the 75 minutes or whatever you know talking about their their personal journey which can be really good but usually it's just like an, a, a really really long <laughs> uh explanation of their struggle and then they like throw in the thing that they were supposed to be lecturing about the whole time the thing that you came to see like in the last five minutes right at the end and just sort of slap you in the face with it and you're like oh uh, okay uh so i like teaching heart-based meditation and i teach it weirdly in reverse where i start with like i'll start with like in conclusion you know and i like pull up here's what it is let's all practice it right now and then i'm like i give everyone um permission to you know go glossy eyed and check their phones for the rest of the lecture if they want while i talk down you know more of like the science you know behind the method and stuff um but it's just like a really really easy form of meditation that has a lot of science backing which is um one of the good things because when you're talking to like teachers and stuff especially when i first started there was always that that science teacher in the front row with his arms crossed you know, and he's like, I came here to sit with my arms crossed and not in meditation. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, hey, I, I was, I was expecting you. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's yeah. So it's it's uh, the Heart Math Institute is uh, the main one behind that. And uh, what I love about it is because you start to get into everyone's electromagnetic field. And um, wait a second. And that's kind of like my whole bag right now, because um, I've been doing Reiki and I started moving into sound healing as well over the last couple of years. Oh, nice. And I, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm actually participating right now. I got invited to the first ever like uh, masterclass in sound healing with John Stuart Reed. He's a really cool guy, old British guy who wears like little red sunglasses. Anyways, um, so you start to talk about how everyone's, um, you know, your electromagnetic fields around you. The one produced by your heart is the largest. And way more information goes out from your heart to your brain than back. And, and um, so we all have these overlapping fields that are overlapping all the time. And, and you know, <laughs> anyone who's ever ridden the bus it, you can, you know, test to, <laughs> test to that because or, or like, say you walked into a room and you know that those people were I fighting. Like anyone can attest to it, except for yeah. the one percent of people that are maybe like just kind of have a total block to that. Yeah, but that's usually just because they've been thinking about themselves the entire time. Sure, yeah, they can't do anything but think about themselves, sure. Which is probably yeah. more than 1%. But um, yeah. but that's, so th that, continue, but yeah, continue. I have okay. something to say about that. So um, what's great about it is kind of when you build to the end of it, uh, you get to pull in uh, data from like the, um, the global satellites that measure the field of the Earth, right? And uh, this, is, this is like the, the kicker uh, that I... I throw in there. I saw Greg Braden one time, and that's uh, when I first saw this graph. And so I love throwing this up when I when I talk about uh, this in in lectures. But it's uh, it's this big spike, this massive spike in the Earth's like electromagnetic field in the graph, and then it slowly goes down like over the next like several days and stuff till it goes back. And they'd seen lots of anomalies like this before, but they always kind of throw them out because that's that's the the modern science way of doing things, which doesn't really follow the scientific method because you're not supposed to throw those out. You really should keep them. Um, yeah, those are threads yeah. to pull on. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. There's, oh, I think uh, 
there was there was a scientist at one point um, who had like just a big book where he just collected all those anomalies, and that was like the basis of his scientific work. But, uh, anyways, yeah, that to, sounds to like, a, to what like was, a Charles Fort type thing. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, to get back to what I was saying, um, so the spike um, when they looked at the data and when it was was it was about fifteen minutes after the first plane hit that first World Trade Center uh, oh, tower wow. in nine eleven, and they figured it took about fifteen minutes for those images to go like global. And so the, like the crux of all this is like, they, they always knew that the earth's electromagnetic field affected us. You know, there was like no one, no one could question that. Um, but they never, they, they never thought that we would be able to affect it. And so when they started going back to the other anomalies that they had scrapped over the years and stuff, right. They started finding correlations with, um, the world, uh, world cup series finals, um, death of princess Diana, the, the finale of the first season of Big Brother. I'm not sure why specifically the first season or maybe it was The Bachelor. Yes, maybe it was the it was. only season that was like... <laughs> the good one? Yeah. Uh, was. <laughs> the, anyway, so they started finding that when there was massive things happening and everyone was kind of focused and emoting, emoting is kind of the key with it. At the same time, that that actually had like a measurable effect is like the the theory behind it and it's kind of rad and and also kind of horrifying yeah well <laughs> when totally. you sit that, in there's the a responsibility there. yeah the, yeah because the consequences it, it does come back to what we were just talking about right like um so that's and that's really cool thank you for sharing that i didn't i had never mm -hmm. heard about that i had just um i've been reading uh lynn mctaggart's the field oh yeah um, lynn's great which, yeah it's got all kinds of great stuff like that like about these different for anyone that hasn't read it these different scientists that have these similar sort of findings but it um, all overlaps all of that yeah. Uh, yeah so but that what you just this, this uh instance that you were just describing it does go back to what we were talking about about how tending your own we want to call it tending your own field mm -hmm. tending your own field is going to affect the field at large because we are all nodes of that field, right? That goes out um, over the whole earth. Yeah. That's really cool to think about. But like you said, it's also a little bit um, harrowing because what it means that what we do and what we think and what we say and how we act have much far reaching, more far reaching consequences than um, we've perhaps been led to believe. I think exactly. like one of the most damaging sort of, at least in my experiences, sort of beliefs. And this is like not, this is like not new perhaps, but it's not a, um, a common belief throughout history. I think it's pretty recently come into vogue. Um, the idea that like, if no one sees me do it, then it doesn't happen or it doesn't matter. Right. Hmm. But the energetic consequences to those things, like those things added up in my life and were like crippling to me, right? Mm -hmm. And when I started acting differently, even if I knew that I was the only one that was going to know it, it just changes. It just changed my life, you know? Isn't like, it interesting to get old enough where you realize that those secret little moments were not secret little moments and like affected you? on an energetic level almost yeah. for the rest of your life. And you had well, to like almost make amends or like you had to yes. complete the journey with that, you know, in whatever form it was before it starts to actually kind of go away and not affect you anymore. 
Absolutely. I think, yeah. yeah, there is action that must, that like in my experience, I had to take some sort of action. Uh, amends is a good word for it. Or um, self-debasing. Like, yeah, right. Just well, like yeah. lowering our own energy. Yes. And because um, whether you want to call it like the Akashic record or whatever, like there's just like these things are known. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm not saying this great, but like <laughs> your these hands things are, are, are doing all the work. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have my video on. These things are imprinted into the very fabric of like the cosmos, I think. Ooh. Yeah, actually, there's some uh, really neat <clears throat> uh, studies and stuff coming out. I know I shouldn't say studies because that lately that's been like the word that gets used to right before the propaganda comes out. Yeah. But <laughs> studies show. Right. Um, but there, uh, there has been some really cool theories uh, and some evidence that has been leading people to theorize uh, that our actual memories aren't stored in our brain. So our brain, we don't uh, work. We're not in our mind. We work through. So our brain and our uh, neural pathways actually work more like antennas and we want, want things, something out. We grab them from um, it's like there. It's like a field of energy around us. And so our memories are actually being stored in, in the field, right. And, and around us. And so that explains a lot of psychic phenomena, weirdly um, same when we were, we were talking about debasing energy and stuff like that. And the consequences of you're overlapping in everyone's shit all the yeah. time. Right. Unless you can hide and people aren't really healthy. And if, you know, you're feeling gross and horrible, that does things to your immune system, that does things to your body. And that actually right. does things to people who, whose energy fields are overlapping around you that you don't even realize it's happening. Yeah. Um, but the same is also for um, like when you do things like heart-based meditation and stuff, that same healing, <clears throat> when you get yourself into that vibe, people who come into your field, you can actually be healing with people who are near you, which again, that kind of leans into explaining a lot of energy work and a, a lot of things like that. The field really does kind of explain everything. <laughs> it does. It totally yeah. does. And it actually works like it fits pretty well into like, not that you need it to fit in with modern science. Cause I think it's pretty much like gone to garbage, but like, that's just my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. But it, 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 it isn't so far out of that model that you can't kind of like, it's a nice, like, it's a word that exists in that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, mm -hmm. like it's the implications well, are way crazier. Like it's like a gateway drug maybe is a good way to put it. And it has, um, it has its, its place in, you know, um, historical like religion and stuff like that too, yeah. which makes it, a stepping stone maybe for people who are leaving a more organized spiritual path where someone is your connection to God. And that's the only way you can talk to spirit and to source and stuff. And then moving more towards a direction of you kind of being your own shaman and, you know, finding your own sort of pathway. Um, because like, you know, Holy spirit and things like, like a lot of religions have that interconnected, interpenetrating energy that's going through everything. Right. You know, even even Jedi's have it. So the modern day religion kids can lean into it too because that's the force, right? Yeah, I, that's <laughs> a good way to put it. It really does. It just kind of it's nice for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's, and it's it's, a, it's gateway spirit, man. Dude, it's, it is. Though. You get hooked. <laughs> all the spirit then, you like, can get. First you're thinking of energy fields and then the next thing you know, I'm like, you know, like summoning some ancient like Mesopotamian um being 
to, you know, have a chat. (laughs) (laughs) How'd I get here? (laughs) That's how I felt. So like, it was one of those things, like when I first started getting into this stuff, I was like, okay. Uh, So I can't deny that like astrology is real and it works. Even though I used to think it was bullshit. This is me at the beginning of my kind of paradigm shift. Mm -hmm. And and, and I remember thinking, but I'm never going to believe in crystals. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now i got just like a shit ton of crystals like they right got over there. One. <laughs> yeah they really do um they have energy man I well i mean when you start um because people think meditation and they're like oh that is when a man crosses his legs and goes oh right. and puts his you say that to because i'm working with children and teaching children these methods uh, that's like the first thing you get, right? Do you guys know? Have you ever de- meditated? You know what to do? They're like, yeah, I know how to do it. And they sit and they cross their legs and they go, um, and whatever silly voice they heard a character do that on, you know, some cartoon. Right. Um, but it's not the case. There are so many different forms uh, of meditation and they serve different purposes. And what I've really, really started loving in the last couple of years of like, my research and the things that I've been doing is I've started to to realize that they they activate different places in your body. And it's like, it's like when you meditate uh, from different places. Yeah. And I'm saying this like it's a profound thing. This is like written down on dusty scrolls. <laughs> right. Sure somewhere dude, like that stuff has to be real. But yeah, fire you, has to be rekindled in the consciousness because we've forgotten all this stuff. Like we have yeah. forgotten it. So or, like when you when you go from like forget, your maybe. your heart-based meditation, right? Which isn't it's called heart-based and it's called coherence, but it's actually just because you like you place your hand on your heart to activate it. But what the actual meditation causes um and what the feeling and and what they're measuring is uh the communication between the heart and the brain, which happens at like about 0.1 hertz, and that's the optimal communication between the two. And after 3 minutes of that state, um that's when you, your body starts to produce over 1300 different biochemicals is like autoimmune, sigus, uh, stem cells, uh, telomerase enzymes, which are, um, I think it was 2009, uh, Carol Greeter, uh, and another scientist won the Nobel prize, uh, for discovering telomeres and they're basically like your chromosomes have like a, a cap, like on the end of a shoelace. And so every time your cells divide, uh, it's a little bit of degradation and that starts to fray a little. And so for a long time, they just thought, then uh, that's old age, right? That's how we age. And they just thought, oh, nothing we can do about that. Geez, that, that really sucks. And then um, these scientists discovered that in lab mice, um, they could produce these uh, telomeres and it actually uh, revitalized the mice. Uh, one started getting his uh, vision back and they started becoming more virile. So I'm I'm not sure if the goal was to make like a breed of lab rats that are you know i mean maybe the goal was to find out how to make lab rats get boners again most scientific research is based around erectile dysfunction i was gonna say yeah i I think so man (laughs) like how can we fuck more sorry ladies (laughs) that is the secret of the like like, really like um yeah i'm in anti-aging oh like so you're trying to get boners like (laughs) yeah just we want to get boners right sorry you get you get cramps once a month you have to deal with it monthly well you know what we have erectile dysfunction every once in a while. So we need to dump <laughs> billions of dollars into that. Billions of dollars. Let's do it. <laughs> More trillions. Make up a number. Um, anyways, so telomeres. So telomerase enzymes are one of the things that your body starts to produce, one of the 1300 chemicals. And so that literally uh, starts to repair 
your chromosome. And it fixes that little cap on your shoelace. So it's not like the fountain of youth, but it's a very easy thing to do that like know, three minutes, you start producing that. So you can do it for five, 10. Most of you are sitting on the toilet, looking at your phones for like 17, 20 minutes. I'm, I'm saying that because it's a very specific number. I'm sure I'm, I'm guilty of it too. Uh, <laughs> you can find time to do like five minutes, right? And it's this small amount that just has such a beneficial effect um, in so many, so many ways, not just on your body, but also on your, your emotional mood. Uh, and what's crazy is they act, so they activate it. Step one is uh, heart feelings. So you put, you focus on your heart area, put a hand there, fingers, if you're uncomfortable putting a hand on your, on your heart. And then you picture the breath um, for this exercise, your lungs exists, exist at the top of your head and your mouth is where your heart is. So you breathe in, you picture the air coming in through and up to the top of your head and then back out through your heart. And that's step two, that's heart breathing. And step three is, um, is heart feeling. And that's where you activate or generate like a positive emotion. And the emotion is specifically like they tested with all sorts of different words. And uh, the number one word that you don't use is love. Because it just has, has too many connotations for people. Yeah, it's got um, baggage. It's got baggage for every, almost everyone. I don't, yeah. But the words that they found that were most successful were, pardon me, were thank you, uh, gratitude, mm, uh, yeah. appreciation, care, though care had some, um, again, can have some baggage. Yeah. Or when I deal with kids, and honestly, I just started pitching this to the adults too, because <laughs> I feel like children and adults these days have a lot more kind of overlap than they're realizing. But, uh, you know, for kids, yeah. it's like, Picture that feeling you feel when you pet a kitten for the first time, you know, or the first time you held that little puppy, or when you found that video of uh, that gerbil eating that tiny little burrito made from by his owner, you know, or the 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 turtle being friends with the with the cat. You know, that feeling that when you felt like, oh man, thank you universe for existing, so that this thing that is happening to me right now can happen to me. That vibe, that feeling, um, that that's what you want to, and then you just hold on to that. So you hand on your heart, you picture the breath going through up to your brain, head, your brain lungs. <laughs> and then, uh, and then you hold on to that feeling of like, yeah, thank you, like gratitude. And if you get, you know, lost, or if, if thoughts come in, uh, you don't fight them. Because, you know, as a Buddhist, when I was doing Buddhist meditations stuff there, you know, they would talk about, you, you can't engage it. Um, it's more like you want to picture like windshield wipers, you know, moving away. Or when I talk to kids, and actually, I find this the more I'm doing like sound work and stuff, and the more I've been uh, seeing like clients doing Reiki and stuff again, the more I'm, I'm picturing uh, putting a bubble around the thought or whatever was trying to invade there, putting a bubble on it and just like floating it off to just mm, float away. That's good. Um, actually works really, really well, uh, especially for kids. And it also, it helps because uh, it is kind of, it's again, it's an abstracted sort of, um, visualization of what you're often doing when you're releasing energy like in reiki sessions and, it's and interesting too because when you when you're able to do that in any way um and the way the way it happens for me and i just think it's probably different for everybody um it's almost like it it looks like they're um coming up from below and like doing this arc thing right like this thought's popping up. It's bubbling up. It's like a, mm -hmm. fish, a fish coming up to the top of the water or something. But mm -hmm. then like the more I can, um, the more I'm able to like conceptualize the thought as um, being a thing that's doing something, 
then I can start to like see where it's coming, like where in my body it's coming from. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's interesting, right? Like, or, or where like it, it'll come from different directions. And I think that all has. And that's actually, that's a different form of meditation too, is where you are, you are being, you're open monitoring the things that are going on, not only around you, but also mostly inside of you. And when those things are coming up again, in like not quite fighting them, but you're like tracking them. Because yeah. often they will lead you back to say a physical thing that's going on or something. You your mind will go to somewhere different. It can lead to creativity. It can lead to help resolving problems. Um, the bubble thing is interesting because in the Silva, in some of the Silva method uh, meditation stuff, uh, that's actually when you pass it off to your higher self. So when you have a problem, you like do these, um, you know, uh, visualizations where you see the problem and then you see, you like, see like really over-exaggerated form of the problem. Like, you know, say if you like smoke too much, you see yourself smoking like 20 cigarettes and like tar dripping down your face and like everyone around you disgusted and everyone hates you and stuff. And then you sort of move a little bit to the left because the, in this form of meditation, time goes from right to left. And so in the next panel, you see like, uh, a couple days, like an easy step you can make to make it better. So instead of like 20 cigarettes, maybe you have like 10, you know, or like you just have a, sh a shortened amount. And then the third, you move a little bit again in your mind and you see like the third one. And in the third uh, panel, you see the end result that you're looking for. And then you do that every, like every morning or sorry, every night before you go to bed and you update it as you go every few days. And you do that for like a week or whatever. But once you see that whole thing, that whole problem, you've gone through it, uh, you kind of take the problem again and you, you ball it all up. And then again, you, you, you like let it float up. So it was interesting that when I was studying Silva stuff that came up because it's something that we were working, it had come up, um, in the heart-based meditation stuff and it had come up like in Reiki and the sound work. And then it came up in that again. And it's, uh, and Silva, it's because you pass it up to your higher self and then you go to sleep and then your higher self that's really starts, cool. Starts to do it. And it, again, it, it's almost like everyone's got different words for essentially the same thing, which is, um, you know, our conscious mind is kind of doing a thing. Our subconscious mind is doing a thing. Uh, and then once you start to get into like weird levels, we have like your astral body, you have your etheric body. You know? <laughs> and like yeah, you, right, right. You know, and then whatever we are, are all guessing is, you know, beyond that. Um, yeah. And they, uh, they all have different purposes. And, and that's the what I was getting at earlier. Ah, hey, we circled back around. Nice. <laughs> that the different forms, uh, so the heart-based meditation, you know, it focuses on the heart and ends up having a healing effect. And then I find um, when you do intentions, Lynn McTaggart said, you know, feel intentions and stuff. I don't know about other people, but for me, I, I, I do always feel it a little bit in my solar plexus. But for me, the most times I feel it, it's like a, like my head becomes a needle and like the energy flows through like the back sort of top where they would like tree pan, like drill holes and skulls the back of the, in the day and then out through my third eye. And it's mm -hmm. like, when I start to do the intention, if it's a group one, I always know that's when I'm locked in. It's like when I suddenly, it's like it threads through to like catch me on the loop. Like we're all little beads on a bracelet for a little bit when we're working on it. And oh, that's, that's a great image. That's when I feel like I, I've kicked in. Like it's when I feel like, oh, I've been threaded with everyone else. And so I've been lean, like really kind of leaning into like, um, that using the different chakras, like in the meditation and like meditating from different places, you, you actually are, they, they serve different purposes. So it's not just that you have different meditations, you know, uh, open awareness and monitoring or like, uh, uh, the, 
<laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to blank on it. Um, but it's like fixed. You just hold on to a single image and that's it. So it, it's, it's really sort of rudimentary. Um, sometimes it'll be like a mantra or an ohm or something. But when you first start out, it's one of those things where your activity is um, picture a white horse. And that's it. You're, or, or picture anything but a white horse, you know, where you, where you have to try and focus on a single thing. Yeah. And that's it yeah. and nothing else. Right. Uh, focused attention. Yeah. So <clears throat> I like, yeah, I've, I've been starting to discover that all these different forms are actually, they, they feel like they're coming from different places and serving different purposes that surprise, surprise to everybody is very relative to like ancient teachings and sort of what those areas kind of represent. Um, yeah. Nightbirds. I hope you've been enjoying the conversation so far and there's more to come. But first, I have to ask that you support the show. As I'm sure you've noticed, there are no commercials on this show. There are no paywalls. You get everything up front. For there to be free dialogue here, I think it must remain uncaged by the interests of advertisers. But Nightbird Radio does cost time and money to make, and your support means I can spend less time delivering pizza and more time doing this. That's a win-win. So that's why Nightbird Radio is a value-for-value podcast. I hope you've found value in this show, but I can't and won't dictate just how much. Only you can decide that. But what I can do is invite you to take that value, turn it into a number, and head to www.nightbirdpodcast.com and hit the donate button located on the front page to offer your support. We're also listed on podcastindex.org, which means you are able to send Bitcoin via the Lightning Network using your favorite podcasting 2.0 apps, which can be found at newpodcastapps.com. And finally, I also accept dry goods. Email me at tim at nightbirdpodcast.com for more information. Sponsors will get a special mention on the show. Thank you for your generous support. Now let's get back to the conversation. I wanted to just touch on this real quick too. When you're talking about um, the memories being kind of carried outside of ourselves, like in our field, mm-hmm. um, that really does make me think about. Um, okay, so if that's like, and that sounds like that rings true to me because, like, the memories that I activate the more they're going to mm-hmm. affect like my overall like what i'm carrying around right like so if i'm activating these memories that are like bringing me fear or resentment then that's kind of manifesting in my field and that's kind of just like the vibe i'm carrying mm-hmm. um but there and are it's it's programming your subconscious right because yeah. the more you consciously do that then your subconscious will start a routine where it automates mm-hmm. that process for you and it, you just feel angry and sad about yourself but that's why like i think that's it makes sense to why certain things work like um there's a practice that neville goddard has um and i don't know if you're familiar with him he's like new thought stuff uh he's really good uh he's got a really weird read on like interpreting the the bible it's really fascinating but um he has this practice that's um it's called review and you so like say you have this memory of like it could be like earlier in the day or whenever but for this example we'll just say earlier in the day 
say like me and you got in a fight and it just didn't go well and you don't you just feel shitty about it right mm-hmm. um it's a new thought practice where you go back to that memory and like you basically fucking change it <laughs> like oh no so, i do know i do know that it's got yeah, another name too like i'm um, sure that it's dr or something yeah i'm sure it's yeah. come up in other circles too because it's one of those mm-hmm. ones when you hear it you're like oh yeah that's just like because they've magic. been using it mainstream you know oh really mean? like yeah and they'll use a uh, lights or they'll use sound clicking oh interesting but yeah, yeah. And, and it's so they've it's, it's oh legitimate. asmr i think not asmr that not like okay. I, I'm yeah shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I, it, um i always i always say asmr too when we this comes up and it's um it's something it's, else it's, though it's yeah it's a little you know four letter um, but yeah so like, you would just like, change that. it so that we had a like a uh a mutually beneficial good um conclusion to our argument instead of like it going off the rails mm-hmm. and so i well, i've noticed that when i do that here's the interesting thing it doesn't just change and i've this this has been the result of certain other things i've done too but it doesn't just change my field mm-hmm. it actually transforms the relationship with that person uh-huh. yeah and then they start like acting like the relationship that we have improves so that it almost it its tangible effect is on more than just my state of being is what i'm trying to say which is very strange and very mm-hmm. cool um i feel that meta does this too um it's, it's funny that you so what you um the implications of what you're saying are great and i am 100% behind you there um because it really leans into the whole collective memory thing. And uh, if our collective memory, which is all, you know, essentially collective unconscious, but more just think about if we just have a giant pool of this is the human memory, we're all closer to our own memories, which we're reaching out and grabbing, but there is a giant collected pool. Yeah, there's a great you know, sort of. And if remembering things differently, like you say, because they've shown that um, when you dream something, and or or when you think relive something, when you rethink about something in your mind, it, it has the same effect on you physically. It, like your body reacts in the same way that it would if if it was actually happening to you. Which is why I think that works so well because you're going back into that memory that always traumatized you, and you're you're breaking that. You're taking back your power. Which again, that's that's like soul retrieval work too. Which is what I yeah. love is that these the modern psychologists are like. Oh yes, we're doing this groundbreaking stuff, and right. shamans are like, "Fuck off!" <laughs> yeah, fucking. fucking oh yeah, well, <laughs> Westerners pretending like they discovered some shit that's been there forever. No way, yes. never. Yes, look at we we've, we've discovered. Um, yeah. But I I think uh, what you just sort of uh, stumbled upon with what you're talking about is a really interesting explanation uh, for for the Mandela effect. Because Ooh, if, I like this. If Go. you know that not only changes for you. And her and this I've been this has been bugging me especially because my kid really likes Curious George and I swear to Christ that she, that thing had a tail and like I'm I'm the Wait, one I Curious, like, so many a, of them is that he doesn't a have a tail effect? even in, in the cartoon and everything they call him a monkey you got but he monkey. he's an ape he doesn't have a tail yeah no. that's one of them yeah the Curious and then, like, little monkey yeah that was the song I'm sad like this might I might get trolled now but I am I do actually remember seeing the movie Shazam in the VHS store Dude. with yeah and it was not Shaquille O'Neal it had Sinbad and he was like arms crossed like I, anyways there's a whole bunch of them and it bothers me because there's some that have happened to me 
um, in the last two years, uh, we had one that switched and then switched back again. And, and it was only the other day when we checked it, I was like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? And it's the color chartreuse. And, uh, and I can't remember what the purple one is, um, but chartreuse is, wait, what color is chartreuse to you? Green. Yeah. Like a yellowy green. Yeah. Good. Okay. We're in that reality. Good to know. It's good to find uh, so some people that are from the same reality as you. I was losing my mind because about a year and a half ago when I looked it up, it was purple. Is there like a pinkish purple? And then the one, I can't remember the name of the other one. It's blanking. I'm blanking on it now, but that one, it turned yellow green. It's like Petrus and Chartreuse and anyways. And then the other, I was talking about it a few weeks ago and we looked it up and it wasn't, it had switched back again. And it, it, cause I spent a whole day looking it up and everything kept saying, confirming that it was pink, purple, pink, purple, pink, purple. And I thought it was losing my mind. Man, I know. I really, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So if, if like, if we're, cause this leans back all into the heart stuff, like my whole journey has been like all about a lot of this stuff and in the field, and we are all just using different words to essentially describe the same thing. But if we're all like super interconnected and if how I remember something affects someone else. And if we can prove that group emoting has a tangible scientific, you know, effect on the, on the field that we can see, then group belief, it makes a lot of sense why they fight over what you believe specifically now, because if group, group belief could potentially actually change reality or at least yeah. change our, reality the way actually, that we Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It actually becomes the dominant reality. Yeah. And yeah. in a way, like it informs the, it informs reality. What, mm. That's like myth mythopoesis too. Like the idea of the more people believe something. It, I use the example of the law when, when, when I try to explain this to people like, okay, so the law isn't actually like a thing that exists, but the, Go break it and tell me what's going to happen if you get caught. Like there are mm -hmm. going to be actual consequences because a bunch of people just agreed on this thing being oh, yeah. true, you know. And that's just a very simple one. It may not even be like really a hundred one to one, but like mm -hmm. anyway, yeah, I'm totally with. You. Yeah, group consensus. Yeah, and so then you now you're really dilling your pickle because <laughs> you start layering up all of these things that you're thinking. At the same time, uh, you then you can just sit and it's like you're having your own higher side chat in your brain by yourself. Yeah. Well, okay, and, and so it explains memory hold. Do you, do you know what memory hold is? Yeah. So when I was trying to, because when my wife first told me about this podcast, um, she told me that you like wanted to talk spooky stories, and I got a couple. I got a couple pretty good ones, but they're like they're. I like living from a life, a, like a magical sort of life. They're not stories. I don't know. See, spooky stories aren't like in Hollywood. I find a lot of the time, like true magical stories are kind of more weird and mundane and yeah, totally. um, they have a different flavor. Um, and but one that was totally memory hold for me and I had trouble. And I had to actually like try really hard to think about it for this. And what's really funny is um, I must've set my Gmail icon like a bazillion years or my zoom one. And the picture of me in it is from the day that this happened. Um, but it, um, if, if we do share like sort of a collective you know, memory and stuff, like when things get memory hold, it, it, it would actually make sense if there was technology or even just interference from things floating around. I don't know if there was maybe like a bunch of 
some weird radiation or by noise, you know, everyone's carrying things in our pockets that connect to it. That might be sort of like a field overlapping a field might interrupt things. <laughs> well, yeah, Maybe. I, I think all of that is happening. And yeah, <laughs> um, I think anyway, that, you want, do you want to hear like, the spooky story? I want to hear the spooky stories, but I okay. do have one thing to say about that. Yeah. That's why when people talk about like simulation theory, you don't even need one. You don't mm-hmm. need there to be a simulation because if you can, and I've said this a lot on this podcast, but I'm gonna I'm gonna harp on this. If you can, af- like, if you can affect reality that much through consensus and through propaganda, etc., you don't need a simulation. You can have your mm-hmm. own, like you said, you yeah. can be in your own little simulation just by virtue of this stuff being real. But yes, yeah. please, um, I would love to. But hear it, it just doesn't have. It's not uh, the instant gratification that people want. Because we've been trained, it took generations to get us to where we are, to be trained to have, you know, uh, like seven minute attention span. I think that maybe tells my age a little bit more because uh, that was when I was younger. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's pretty long. That. Now, at TikTok, it's about like, what, 17 seconds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the instant gratification is, is kind of a big, big issue, uh, especially when you look at people like in kids nowadays and what, you know. Uh, what you become in your world is not instant gratification. Like what, who, who you become and everything. It's all this big journey that to get there. Uh, when I was younger, especially with my art, I, the instant gratification was, was kind of embedded in there. And I, you know, I have albums and stuff I'd put out and it's like, you know, you don't sell that many, like you want to become famous and you, you know, I'd switch to different art and I'd be painting wax paintings and encaustics for a while. And people weren't buying that and switched it. But you know, and you'd get really down on it because that gratification wasn't there. And it, you know, I, I kind of got old enough to sort of realize like, Oh, I just like how ha- I, it's like seasons. Like I, I switched back and forth between the, the things and that book does get written and the, you know, those, that album does get, you know, put out and, and those paintings do get, you know, somewhere, but it just, it's, um, it, it just it's a it's a longer journey than when I was a kid, and I was so I just thought, oh my god, I'm n- I never finish everything. But it's it's like no, because you're an old man, Matt. <laughs> you, you do. It's just you did like you're building all these. It things. happens more yeah. in cycles and and things like that. Yeah, and they take time, and you get there. Yeah. So <clears throat> my the new album I came out with was probably actually one of the the worst for that because we started I well yeah I started writing it in 2011. Uh, and then kind of uh, sort of left. I, I was tired of gigging and stuff. Well, okay, I almost died. So that's uh, this isn't the spooky story. But uh, um, cross the fingers, we'll we'll circle back to the spooky story. Yeah. After this, so I had like a you know I was living band life, you know, gigging, and uh, I was in like two bands at the time, and working extra and smoking still and drinking beers and stuff. And so I had a tonsil abscess. And like, I, it like almost burst. They, I went, when I went to the doctor, they're like, oh, can you go to the hospital? I was like, yeah. Like, like, um, can I go like today, tomorrow? They're like, oh, they're, they're going to be waiting for you. So I was like, oh, okay. So they're like waiting for me to get there. And, and then they put me on like IVs for a few days. Anyways, it was a you know, big thing. And then I sort of realized um, that the life I was living maybe wasn't like contributing to, you know, my most beneficial health, <laughs> the, my, the best self sort of thing. Um, and that kind of, it got me I, up to that point. I kept getting strep throat all the time. 
And then I quit smoking. And people are like, oh, you haven't smoked in 10 years? Good for you. It's like, I, my tonsil did all the work. I didn't, I did right, hardly yeah. anything. There's I, I, laid, I laid there and almost died. That's all I did. <laughs> yeah. I understand <laughs> where you're coming from, though. Yeah. There's a point where the choice is just made and you're like, okay. Well, yeah. Okay, buddy. What's Got the it. next thing? Got the memo. Um, but that's when I started. Uh, my research led me to uh, learn about pleomorphism, which now is more commonly referred to as terrain theory. Um, but, you know, back in the day, it was, you know, scientists actually had, you know, the two sort of camps uh, and like Pasteur and the whole germ theory wasn't the accepted one for a long time. Uh, and then I found um, the works of Royal Rife, who was this really crazy cool uh, scientist guy uh, in the like early 1900s. And he had like a microscope that he had made, which wasn't like based off magnification. It used different like disks of color and that was how you saw like deep, it was it's really wacky but he developed um oscillating sound healing technology uh and there was like 14 devices i think or 40 or something like that it was it was not very many around at the time uh, and he got in a big fight with the fda because the fda was just recently formed and they were like no 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 you can't he was literally treating people all day long uh, people, are, their cancers were going away and stuff. It's really and, that meme of like, you're healing outside of sanctioned methods. You must exactly. be Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and all it was is like, they found that different oscillating sounds, so the boom, 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 um, at the different frequencies, and they just went through with, you know, samples of uh, the different like viruses and stuff and went to find which one obliterated it. And it the, 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 the human cells were fine. It would just obliterate that one once you found that tone, right? So it, it interestingly found that there was all these tones that actually would like affect the life form and it would like turn it back into a micro, like just obliterate it. So um, anyways, he got in a fight FDA and then he ended up just being stuck in court for the rest of his life where he became an alcoholic and he just died like a sad, it was, it's really sad how it ended because he, they yeah. just sucked up all his money and court fees. And you just see that happening over and over again. Yeah. yeah right now even. And then uh, for a long time, they got all those machines back and then there was like one in the in like the UK that the people just wouldn't let them <laughs> like wouldn't give up like this machine. But anyways, that that kind of got me uh, into the whole concept of of um, my environment in my body. So pleomorphism is essentially not there's not little viruses that are specific viruses, you know, uh, streptococcus staph, you know, different things like that. It's that everything sort of starts off as like uh, more like a blob of potential. You know, so it leans into quantum physics a little bit more and buckyball experiments and stuff. So everything's like a, a little microorganism of potential. And it's actually the environment that it's in that dictates to it what it should become. And so that it changes a, a lot. And I actually completely, I haven't, I'm going to knock on wood here because I don't want the pixies to hear what I'm saying, but I have not gotten uh, strep since that. And that's, so it's been um, 11 years now that I, since my mind on the whole subject changed and then that changed. Um, but yeah, so you have to take a lot more responsibility because, and that this, this is so relative to what's going on today because Right now we're seeing this strive to be, everyone wants to be a victim because suddenly victim status has become the the king or sorry, queen or whatever status above everything else. Um, and so like people are like striving to be the biggest victim in a weird way. And it's funny that I had this experience where when I started thinking, oh wait, geez, you mean that like 
there's just a bunch of potential inside my body. And when I treat my body like shit and eat garbage that, you know, is not food and smoke and drink that that's going to turn into streptococcus like every time or like, you know, uh, things like or cancer, you know, or different things. Um, geez, it makes me almost have to take responsibility for my actions. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. And when wait, I have agency. Wait, hey, what? Oh. <laughs> and you start to lean into to feel them. You know, we're talking about all points in time and space, like you know, coexisting simultaneously and everything. It, you there, there is no victim. Like it, it's hard to get to the point where you realize that you are partly responsible for everything that's ever. Well, and I got to a point too where, like, I chose to. I believe that I chose to be here, and even if I didn't, there was a point uh, where I was also on the verge of death, and Mm -hmm. I since have come to believe and understand that I didn't have to come back from that. I could have just gone. And so I am here intentionally. I mean to, I meant to be here. I chose that to sounds, be here. Sounds more like my mushroom trip where I saw God. So yeah, well, same thing, <laughs> yeah. right? That does, right, the, yeah. that'll do the trick too. <laughs> it, yeah. And it's not something that's taught to people anymore. I mean, though, I remember when I was a kid, they had like lion's quest programs. They had all these programs where they come to school and they teach you things like, you know, don't just take drugs because of peer pressure and, you know, things like, um, everyone, Everyone is important. Everyone has like, you all have uniqueness. You're all like, they were empowering things to make me feel empowered and responsible for stuff. And now the stuff, when it comes out and it's talking about being like a responsible citizen, it's not teaching you to be like responsible at all or take any sort of agency. It's, it's actually teaching you to be like as victim, victimized as possible. And compliant. And compliant. And like, if, when, again, we're talking about consensus thought and everything, um, thinking that you are a victim if everyone just feels victimized and thinks they're a victim all the time and doesn't take agency then you know that might be it's a little bit more than curious george's tail like disappearing or something you yeah know? it's like it's that's making, gonna shift things in a different way it's literally bringing the archons into the world to yeah. fucking man the prison planet i think yes, like yeah. honestly i'm gonna go on a fucking alex jones <laughs> rant right now but like it's because i really I mean, I've come to understand that this is whatever I make it. And that's another one of those cliches, but it's it's true. Like if I want to experience or want is whatever, but if I want to experience the world as a prison, I will experience the world as a prison. And then in uh, some way, mm-hmm. it will be that prison to me. Mm-hmm. I can experience the world as a paradise and it transforms that world. That's why that's an interesting thing about gratitude. You know, when you're talking about that heart meditation, those thoughts of gratitude mm-hmm. are actually like transformative thoughts because it's taking what gratitude does is it totally flips my perspective because I cannot actually, I cannot experience self pity from a place of gratitude mm-hmm. i just can't it can't be done and that transforms my world how many of us were taught the the wrong way to do gratitude though too right 
Um, you yeah. talk about how if you feel gratitude, it, you you quickly, everything changes. That whole vibe changes. You can be stewing so bad. And like, I still get in these, you know, every once in a while you get in that funk. You're like, oh, man. Oh, totally. Mumbling to yourself. And then if you can find that place of gratitude, you, you do get back there. Like, even though it's crappy things happening, um, you know, especially once you get to a point where you can look back and see how the bad things led exactly to where you are today. And that's you know, good. Um, then you can have an easier time with that. Um, but, oh, what was I going to say here? <laughs> we, <laughs> totally we were told the wrong. See, I started feeling the gratitude. Thank you. Yeah, I, yeah. So, but how many of us, like when I was a kid, it wasn't like, oh, be, be thankful, be thankful for what you are right now. Be thankful what it is. It's like, well, be thankful. You're not starving in Africa or like, be thankful. You got shoes yeah. and be thankful. You're not some drug addict in a, you know, all the, and so it wasn't, it was gratitude plus guilt. Yeah, it's Just right. There's a little guilt. Throughout it introduces it. the negative to it. Yeah. So it's not true gratitude, right? It's, it's like, um, guiltitude. Ooh, guiltitude is such yeah. a good, yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, and that's actually, that seems like an op to me because it actually gives gratitude this baggage to where like a lot of the time when I bring up gratitude to people, their initial reaction is to what you're talking about. They're like, oh, I don't know, man. Not... And that was my initial reaction too. You know, when someone yeah. first told me like, you have an overabundance of self-pity and a lack of gratitude, I was like, fuck you, man. Yeah, of course. You know? your... But really, that was like the best thing that's ever been told to me. Yeah. Isn't it funny too, hey? Um, the most confrontational things sometimes are the best things that can happen to you. Because they can actually pierce the armor. They can pierce the 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 membrane that's been put up by both me and the archon well and and the it it also uh brings attention to a thing that like oh, people are pretending isn't real anymore which is that oh guess what we grow and we change and our opinions change because we will see other sides of opinions or we will change our minds based on the, you know our lives and the things that have happened to us and that's fine it doesn't mean that the things i said when i was 15 or the things i did when i was 20 you know are verbatim exactly the way I feel anymore. Um, but we live now in a culture where if you ever said something once, you're you know you're not allowed to grow. It's like whatever you came out as <clears throat> as a kid. Well, there's as a personality, anyways, is is what like that's it. And we will ever, you know, you're not allowed to change your mind or do that's why the internet is like an inversion of that like Akashic record or whatever you want to call yeah. it. It's supposed to be it keeps the record of everything you've said so that you can fucking um, get canceled or like so that you can like dig it up and be like, look, this person once said this. Yeah. And so, oh man. But it's also become... The wetico homunculus of yeah. the collective unconsciousness. Because any argument you have, someone could be like, um, you know, oh, the salt taste buds on your tongue are here or something like, you know, there will be articles on both sides. Okay, maybe not the tongue. <laughs> well, no, that, but that's kind of defined but you will find people in different camps like anything someone will google you right and it'll be, you'll be talking and my sister-in-law had a guy she dated who, who would do this all the time um to us and to her and we'd say something and then he would just go quiet and he'd be on his phone and like five minutes later he goes blah 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 and holds up his phone like proving that you're wrong because he found a thread or found an article somewhere and so like the Watiko forum on the internet is kind of like it was supposed to be a, uh, a hub of information and it's become just a hub of 
of nonsense and the everyone's got this cognitive dissonance now because you literally almost don't know what to believe at all and like that's kind of got this uh, chaos going on i think in our and that makes people much collective field easier to manipulate yeah oh yeah definitely yeah 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 that's definitely uh one of the main forms of um indoctrination in you know cults and mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like like when you look at like uh any of the information any of the information on both sides of the because you'll find them both on the internet but uh any of the information on cults and how they work um and you look at the last couple of years and it's like, oh, Jesus, do we all just join a cult at the same time and not, not realize it? Because, uh, you know, we're not the allowed to see our yes. family members yeah, and the we're restricted yes. in movements. And yeah, but then this, the scary thing is, is like the, the cult of what? Although, yeah, no, we know. <laughs> oh, man. It, well, there's a bunch. Yeah. And so it's interesting, you know, because I, I was joking around with some friends. And I was like, damn, you know, we're in the apocalypse. I thought there'd be more cults. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, there's tons of cults. Like, oh, yeah. 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 Everything, uh, not everything. That's a little flip, but <laughs> yeah. It seems like, okay, so the, the extreme division, and there might be a word I'm looking for that I'm not hitting on, but like, bifurcation is one that i get yeah, a lot and yes. bifurcation is basically like the splitting of society into two different societies that yeah. don't it is in its way like that are almost not coexistent like we're sort of sharing the same reality right now right like i don't know that might just be temporary like the, this weird sort of it's an in-between spiritual in. yeah split and it's um honestly it seems like it's it's boiling down to like organic or inorganic kind of if, if you want to boil it down to something really simple uh, to explain to people it's like yeah there's I, there's portions that are moving more towards like we want to be connected to the land more we want to do more energetic healing and, and work together and stuff and then you have the other ones who kind of just want to be plugged into Neuralink and yeah, it's life and anti-life and i mean anti-life yeah, like yeah that's yeah as in like not death because like death is actually oh. on the side of life yeah it's this it's not only a fear of life, but it's a fear of death. It's just, it's fear. I don't, I don't know what else to call yeah. it. It was like the, I think the scariest episode of um, Black Mirror was the one that everyone loved. And it was like, everyone online was like, oh, it's so sweet. Like these, um, these two women fall in love and they can be, you know, in love because uh, have you seen that episode of Black yes. Mirror? Um, San Junipero? San, yes. Okay. And they were like, oh, horrifying. Yeah. To, boy, if you haven't seen it, basically the episode is, um, they're existing in uh, like a matrix, like reality, but it turns out that they're like elderly people who go into this matrix reality to live life as kids in different time periods, like the 80s or the 90s or whatever. And these two girls meet and they totally fall in love in there, but not in real life because one of them has been in a catatonic state for most of her life now and, you know, will never wake from it. And then the other one's getting old enough that and they're giving people, it's like now when you when you call in in Canada to be like, Hey, uh, I'm kind of depressed. I haven't seen my family. And they're like, oh, well, you know, euthanasia is an option. <laughs> and they like suggest it to That's you. That's insane. Yeah. Anyways, uh, it's it's got like that where they're like, well, you can go into this matrix. We'll put your consciousness in there and you can just be in there forever. And you'll just be forever young in whatever time period you want. I can't forever. wait to feel nostalgia forever. And then so in the end, that's what happens is um, they take the one off life support and then the other one uh, 
she dies and they go into there and and it's like sort of romantic that they're you know and they're together and i just ruined it for you so you don't have to watch <laughs> the but one thing that that is heartening to me about that is that it, i don't think it's possible but go ahead with what you're yeah. about to say so but for for me you know people like i remember seeing online everyone's like so romantic blah blah, blah. i'm like that was that was the scariest episode <laughs> it's like that was horrifying like you haven't sat and thought about okay so now my consciousness now will spend eternity in what I think it was the 80s that they picked, or maybe it was the early 90s. Either I, I lived through those. I don't know if I'd want to spend eternity, yeah, in either of those time periods. Like, <laughs> especially not in a box on someone's like desk or something on a hard drive somewhere. Like, just in a room, like it's in Silicon nightmare. Valley, like nightmare one of those field. server farms. <laughs> just, yeah, that's some Philip K. Dick shit. It's like, yeah, which level of hell am I in? Which level of like. The simulate like how many simulations yeah. deep am I? Yeah, and the 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 uh, the pickle too. I know is uh, there's so many levels. Like every time you like peel back a layer, you're like, oh, but then oh my god, what if <laughs> what, what if this? So it was like is is flat earth like flat earth if we're just believing things is like that like are we just creating like different things like happening like our realities all sort of happening at once and breaking down. And this was like a comic series that I had started drawing at one point, uh, too. And it was like, it was about people who like the earth evolved, but humans weren't quite at a, a place yet where they could evolve with it. And so they all kind of got fractured and were in these bubbles sort of floating around in the sky. Um, and these bubbles were like reality prisons where people were just because they could create reality now, but they didn't know that. And so they just ended up in these psychosis bubbles, which floated around earth in the sky. That's and, a documentary. Uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. Like, did you see Keona Reeves tweeted the matrix is a documentary? It's probably, it's probably fake. It's probably fake stuff on the internet, but I, I like to think that Keona just got drunk one night and was like, it's a, it's a documentary. Yeah, just part right. one though. Just, just, just part one. <laughs> Yeah, because the ne the newest one is just like trying to get you to like robots. It's yeah, I, I, like, it looked just looked like an Advil commercial. <laughs> oh no, Advil gels now available in Cuban style. <laughs> yeah, I want take all these blue pills. Yes, all of them. Talking about erectile yeah. dysfunction. So, um, <laughs> this whole. Uh, theme kind of of uh, this journey I've been on because <laughs> I think when I started talking about um, the the things happening with the tonsils and stuff that was actually leading into when I started I was writing Air which is the album I just came out with and it got like super prolonged uh, and I was writing it and writing it and writing it uh, and I had like a um, and a guy that like I was had been writing some lyrics and stuff with it like initially and then we like really lost touch and we weren't like you know like hanging out and stuff anymore and a lot of what he was writing wasn't matching like the theme the vibes that I was happening for me and so I ended up having to do kind of like a big rewrite and edit uh and then we started recording it we did all this jamming I like put pieced it together finished writing the last songs and like shortly after my kid was born so like in beginning of 2019 and we started you know rough recording like October 2019 and then like we got in the studio in like January February and I did a lecture tour in February and came back and it was like the world just had caked its pants I guess yeah <laughs> so shut yeah. down mode so that album which was supposed to come out in 2020 didn't come out until 
August here, the, the end of August here in 2022. Um, and it's, it's called Aaron. So like my solo uh, project is called Collective Unconscious, which was what just where I named it at the time, just because things I was reading things I was into. And now years and years later, all the things we've been talking about and all the things going on with all the other areas of my life, it's, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And yeah. I, uh, I didn't know I was going to be working um, with elements on it in the beginning. Um, but the whole thing started with like a song that I wrote. I was, I was meditating by like, a, a waterfall. I think it was called Overlander Falls. It's in BC, like uh, Robson Meadows. And I just had this water, just like the power of water, what water was in the flow and connection to everything. And like, you know, just, I was so overwhelmed by it that I just started writing some more songs. And I had a, like, I was putting together a show a few months later to celebrate writing like my 200th song or something. So I had all these things that I was working on uh, and it went so well that uh, the person was like, you should record this. And so I was like, yeah. And so in like um, within a month, I had like, we put an album together. So it's, it's even worse that, <laughs> that this one took like 10 or 11 years. But maybe um, that fits. It's called air. It's, and that's the thing about, uh, that's the age that we're in, right? So when I was working on it, um, because of the, you know, that inspiration and for that one song water and then other songs all had that inspiration. I was like really obsessed with that album with every song flowing right into the next one, which worked really, really well when we had it on disc. Um, when you put it, uploaded it to iTunes, those overlaps <laughs> between the songs didn't quite translate super great. Um, but it had this whole like water vibe and then it was after that album came out, I was like, earth wants to be, I'm like next. And I'm like, I think I'm, I'm, I'm like working with the elements like here more on this. And so I started writing more like earth, like inspired material. Um, and then just things, you know, contemplating and meditating on earth and planet earth and, and stuff like that. Uh, and then when we went to record it, um, I wanted to be like, as, as like, you know, bare bonesy as we could sort of get it to. So we actually had these little houses out of my parents' acreage that we had like little cabin things and we set up in there and that was just it. We had the sound recording stuff and like a guitar and a banjo and like a hand drum and a violinist came out and then that was it. So it was like really rugged and sort of like um, toned down. And then, <laughs> and then like the album covers like, you know, like um, it's totally like that cliche, like grass breaking through the asphalt <laughs> right yeah um, nice. yeah and then when i started air i i was really you know starting to lean into uh working with the elements like more for it and like it's, i was so gung-ho because you know water just flowed so well and earth was just like grounded and i had this basis of like these people came out did it with me and it which worked so well and and then i started working on air and it was like it's funny how when I started working with them, it wasn't just like my art that changed, like my, my life started to change. And I, I think in the end, like, uh, cause air is kind of like the, you know, the element of like change and, and divination and, and my life in a way had to change. I had to change before it would actually come out. I think there was like this whole part of me and stuff that had to have closure, you know? And, uh, and it kind of threw my life into the cave. Like I stopped doing music I, or I, it was, the music was kind of on the side, but I started doing art school and I went to like art school for a few years. And then I started like acting again and the music was kind of there, but like all my life just started getting like weird and crazy. 
And then the album itself, <laughs> I, I like I rewrote it like I, I wrote the most for this one because I like to have it about 10 songs. And I think I wrote like 30 for that one. And I just kept rewriting and like throwing things away. And then I told you about the editing process and stuff as well, too. Um, and then it ended up having uh, a tarot vibe as well, because when I discovered it was like the element of divination, I wanted to lean into it a, a little bit more. And that's when I got my first like Wait Smith deck, which was cool. Up until that point, I had, uh, you know, I was given because I don't know if you the, you have to be given your first tarot deck is like a, a thing. It was a thing back in the day. I don't think anyone cares anymore. I think most people are given theirs from Amazon. these days. <laughs> but, <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I was given, um, someone gave me like a, like a Merlin deck. It was oh, that's like rad. King Arthur deck I had. Yeah. Uh, and then I had like, a I had a world deck, which would now just be called the racist deck because it had like each of the, the, you know, the four, um, you know, each of the four elements were different. So one was like indigenous and then, you know, one was like the North was like Norse mythology so it was like odin and stuff like indigenous with like buffalo woman and things like that and are the kings and queens and then it had like the raw and stuff and uh oh who was the south i can't remember if it's african or not now that would just be so appropriative <laughs> right i loved i actually loved that deck so much yeah, it sounds kind of awesome it felt kind of like me because i've always i've been so interested in spirituality like my whole life and i grew up uh, you know catholic church and stuff and then they just they couldn't answer my questions and then the, the the worst part the insidious part was like i they would talk this stuff all the time in catechism and all the people would sing in the choir and they go up and do the talks and everything and then they were just horrible mean like nitpicky people to each other they talk crap about each other and they'd be mean to like my mom and like i could just see like they're like i'm like did you not listen to what you know jesus was saying some pretty like good shit here that made a yeah. lot of sense but so I've, I've always like really been on a spiritual journey but at a young age i was like i knew that it wasn't gonna be in an organized sense and so i've always been very ex exploratory um but of course now especially because i like i am a, a white man um like it's it would all just be appropriative right mm -hmm. so it's it's very yeah it's funny i i'm but that's I I that is like how humans have always evolved. We have always like learned things from other people, learned things from other cultures. Like it wasn't one culture that like invented fire and the wheel and the you know like one culture just invented everything and that was it. You know, it was well, all the cultures inventing things and then learning from each other and building and that is like literally how we collectively grow. Well, okay, and like, um. The accepted history, I think, is really wrong, too. And this mm. is something that's very easy to take for granted because it's very insidious and it's been really, really hammered home. But this idea that, like, in ancient times, everyone was in their own separate part of the world and none of them ever, like, interacted somehow. Like, yeah. what? And then when we, it, like, just throwing back to our whole conversation about the Mandela effect and the whole group swaying reality like yeah. consensus reality is kind of that that's one of the more shock like scary thoughts when you think about it is you know you make jokes as a kid's like oh schools are just indoctrination centers and like and then you're like oh my god 100 they are <laughs> our school schools yeah. are just indoctrination centers i always got that a lot uh in being an early childhood educator it's like especially in the beginning people like why aren't you a teacher like super suspected why is this grown man working with children 
Uh, and I'm like, I always make the joke, I don't trust teachers. And they go, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and I just leave it there. Cause, yeah, because it's uh, not a joke. I had a coworker one time. She's like, Matt, but I'm going to be a teacher. And I was like, and then I won't trust you anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You'll be one of the agents. Um, yes. So uh, wacky, wacky world we live in. Because uh, then you, yeah, talking about history itself, potentially just being the accepted collective memory. Oh, and there's huge chunks. I'm convinced. <laughs> I'm convinced there are huge chunks that have totally just been erased. Oh, it. oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and that's that's not even like crazy. Who I used to have code like color codes for what I called hoo ha. Um, it's hoo ha is like an old joke term that we we tried to like take conspiracy theory back because I mean it is just a, a term made up by the cia and this is this yeah. is not conspiracy theory by the way this is actual from the documents that were released you know freedom of information they made up conspiracy theory to discredit people coming out about mk ultra which happened yeah. All, yeah and then and the documentation is there that it was literally made to discredit and that's where it comes from so it was kind of like trying to we're taking it back and so we started calling it hoo-ha because it had i th i thought it summed up our the vibe you know a lot better because for me it was not just like about you know find out what's going on man it was also there's an air of like entertainment many of it, like for if, if you've been on the uh, hoo-ha journey with me over the last 30 years then you know what i'm talking about because you know you get cool things like world tarot decks and then you also get mermaid cards which i also had <laughs> a deck of mermaid cards and you know or other weird stuff and you get books that are thicker than like the compiled Lord of the Rings and 60% of it at least is just the person's ego. And there's like 40% that's information and probably 20% of that, that discernment tells me feels good to me. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. You know, so you'd have to sift through everything or the internet. And oh they're still, sift, they're still sifting to be done yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But I used to have to do it with actual books from bookstores. <laughs> I had yeah, to I had walk to into shit. my local weirdo <laughs> establishment and purchase a physical object that people right. then saw me leave the store. With. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. couldn't just turn my VPN on and, you know, binge watch a bunch of flat earth crap or something <laughs> and just close the computer <laughs> and be done with it. <laughs> no, I had to, like it, it would be in my house so I had to I not defend it but I just thought you know it was such a dumb thing and that's not what it's about like questioning what's going on is so important to being a human in this reality um in I mean any reality but it, it's when you're told not to question that's when you should question more always always like as a uh, working with kids I've made my, you know, kids are always like, why, why, why? I made a rule early when I started working with them that I, I always wanted to answer as much as I could because I hated, I hated when people would say because, because it was just the same thing as saying, oh, well, you just got to have faith or I don't question that or, you know, anything like that, which is not, that's it's not just, It is, it's, it's just, it is because I say dismissive. so. It's condescending and demeaning too, like, putting me in my place. So you're teaching a child like this hierarchical um, because why? Because I said so, you know, okay, that's, 
not, it's not that hard to explain things. So I made a rule that I would answer as much as possible. And if I ever ran out, like, and I couldn't think of an answer to what the kids were saying, I would just say, well, why do you think? And it, it always, that it almost always ends it. And the kid goes, hmm. And they give you an answer. And sometimes it's hot nonsense and has nothing to do with what you were talking about. But then they stop asking you. Um, but it's funny how those philosophies, you know, it's built into me because of, you know, not just like how I was treated as a kid, but how we were treated as like, you know, a society. Like we're literally treated like toddlers who are saying, why, why, why all the time. And then we're, you know, <laughs> um, discredited or like demeaned. For just told to shut up or all. totally ignored. Yeah. 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 And then like nowadays it's even worse because now they have like, like gangs it's it's like the mean girls from like back in junior high again you know it's like oh now if you don't do what we like then i got this whole group of super mean chicks who are going to be mean to you all the time and you won't be able to go anywhere or do anything or say anything to anyone ever because they're going to be so mean yeah <laughs> and, yeah and so uh you kind of don't want to say things like this online on a podcast maybe i should stop talking <laughs> <laughs> i should have stopped i'm like hour and a half too late uh, yeah, i was gonna say yeah if you wanted that then you're mean girls are coming for me <laughs> water's water's yeah. deep over here i'll meet you at the bike rack cindy <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is why you know i think it's important to talk about this stuff um mm. or one of the reasons right like just doing it and just being um not an insane person that talks but still mm -hmm. talking about it yeah it's like yeah you can't deny me and if you do then you know that's fine but i exist and you know what the thing is it wants to be talked about too it, yeah it's like when working like working with the elements the my whole like element series with collective unconsciousness what I really started noticing was there was like specific things that he, when I was working with each element, they were like really like sort of nagging on and air had this whole like connect yourself obsessive with cell phones and the internet vibe. And honestly, there's so many lyrics. The last one was written in the beginning of 2019, but listening to it now, it's like, oof, look, this, this could have all been written <laughs> over COVID about COVID and you would just think that that's, that's where the source you know, material was coming from. So it was, it was almost like, I wasn't like completely surprised almost when, when everything happened, because I guess there's been a lot of indications for a long time, spiritually, and then artistically, which is also kind of a spiritual experience, sort of, you know, nodding at that and, and wanting to talk about that uh, for like a, I mean, most of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I could see that for sure. Um, so it, that, but do you want to get into spooky because, stories? Oh yeah, let's tell you. Let's tell a couple spooky stories here. Yeah, I want to hear that. Some time. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the first one I was telling you, I think, was about Tolman Bridge. Oh, because we were talking about um, being mind hold. Oh yeah. So this one is a weird one because I forgot it until my wife. Um, she was like listening to a podcast or something. And she's like, have you ever had any like experiences with owls? And I was like, no, no. And about a week later, I was like sitting there. I was like, 
oh my god holy shit and it like came back and it was like like arm hairs all stood up again and everything and so i did i was like oh my oh my god i did have an owl experience and like i had completely forgotten it so my wife and my sister-in-law and i went uh we went camping to a place like it's uh it's called tolman bridge it's kind of in the badlands so like alberta has this like pocket of kind of like a little desert that's where all our dinosaurs are from and stuff in, in canada it's like this little patch um, called the Badlands, and we were camping down there. It was supposed to be beautiful for the whole weekend. We were by this beside this river, and uh, we we're like, "Oh, um, well." I mean, honestly, the first night we we brought a couple bottles of wine, thinking, "Oh, we'll get something somewhere else." And then there's like the second night or whatever. We we're like, "Oh, we we should probably get something." And so I went back to like the nearest town, and on my way there, um, it was it was beautifully sunny. But then as I'm driving by, there's like these weird patches of like, it's pouring rain, but it's only pouring rain for like this like 30 feet or so. And there's not really any clouds above. And then I go through and it'd be all sunny again. And all of a sudden I go through another, and you could see the, the pavement itself had like dry patch and then like a wet patch and a dry. And I was like, man, that's, that's really weird rain. And I got to the little town and it was such a little town that it was just like off sales from the you know the it was probably called the zoo or something most most small towns have like a little bar called the zoo um it was this little place and i i bought like some like spiked iced teas or something because i you know my wife's like see if they have wine <laughs> i walked into the place and it's like heads of animals mounted everywhere and a couple of guys like who smell like they might have just been smoking indoors which are not supposed to still and i was like yeah these guys don't have they don't have any wine. <laughs> so I picked up like whatever it was, like a, you know, six packs or something and started driving back and, and I started going through that same sort of weird weather stuff. And then I was driving past this old gray, decrepit gray barn kind of falling over. And it had like a doorway on the one side with no door in it. It was just a big open doorway. And as I'm driving by, I turn, I look and it was it, like, everything sort of like slowed down. Um, of course I, not really slowed down. I well, maybe, but from my my perspective, it just like completely slowed down. And I look and I saw, well, what I saw uh, was a gray owl. But this gray owl um, was like the size of like a like a like a child. It was like um, probably three and a half feet, like almost. And it was leaning forward, and it it was like its wings were like in like moving like partially into the um into the the barn and it but it was like leaning forward on its wings almost like they were like long like feet like long like limbs and so it was like this huge owl and it had lurched forward and it was like perched on its like feet but also on its wings lurching forward and it looks over at me and like watches me go past and uh, me and this owl like watch each other go by and then I got back uh, to the thing and I, I didn't even, I didn't even tell them about it for like the, the first, I think it was like the next day that I, I told them about it, but yeah, this weird. And I, I, yeah, dude, you got abducted by aliens. It was so, I don't know. <laughs> it was so weird. And then, you know what, that it was supposed to be sunny, like the whole weekend. And then that rain came and it 
poured. It rained so much that we ended up just getting drunk in the car for like, we spent the whole time just drinking in the car and we read Jurassic Park aloud to each other doing like the that voices. That sounds kind of great actually. And let me tell you, man, I like as a kid, <laughs> that was like the first fat novel I read and I thought it was amazing. As an adult, I was like, oh, it is. That should have won best adaptation. Okay. Look, that book really is also well. like creepy prophetic. Yeah, <laughs> talking about biotech stuff because oh, that whole I book know. is just about biotech. I know Andromeda Strain too. Michael Crichton's got a few of those. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, so that was my weird owl story. Very and then interesting. I, and then I forgot it again. And Mel asked me about that. And then I was like, Oh my god! Uh, and then I had to start. I so you know about thinking screen about memories, right? Yeah, you what? know about screen memories. Oh yes, I th that's another. It's it's kind of like the memory hole thing, right? Yeah, so I don't. It wasn't it would, an owl, <laughs> right? Like it would it would fit with why it was memory hole to you, like. And this is just I I, I don't have experience of this, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. Fair warning, uh, or that I know of, I may Ooh. have. Who knows? Um, but it's basically like a mem. If you get abducted by beings, they will put a memory of like an animal of some kind, and it's a yeah. lot of the time an owl or a deer. The owls are not what they seem. Yes, the owls yeah. are not what they seem. Yeah, and so they'll yeah. they'll kind of hide the memory behind that memory, mm -hmm. and so it kind of fits in with you not like remembering yeah. it. Too. Oh, I know, and it's weird, and it's like I like that's that I, I was like that it wasn't an owl, but I'm like I don't can't really remember what it was, and I'm like I don't want to dig too hard. Yeah, and uh, there's also the, like the mythical connotations yeah. of owls are are very um, yeah. There's a lot there. I got a couple more. So, I mean, the, yeah, like, these please. are just like living, living a spooky life, like just living magic as reality. Yeah. Sort of stories. That's what um, we love. When I was like 18, I lived in this house and this house was, um, it was a whole crap load of us who lived there, but it was this big house that uh, had five bedrooms and like three kitchens and it had like, you know, a, a main floor and a big up floor and an attic and a big basement. And it had originally been built in like 1912 to house the priests who worked at the church across the street. So we always joked about that, right? Because yeah. it was me and another girl and three gay men, and we were all living in this house together. And so we always joked about how the priests probably weren't like super keen <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on that. Right. Uh, and it was great. And we had like parties there all the time. And it was such a wonderful home and it had such great energy, except this one room and it wasn't even it like we went into the spooky attic once in the attic that's fine like no problems but this one room in the basement which is where one of my roommates lived i only ever went in twice and it like it was the weirdest thing so the first time i went in i was um giving my friend a tour because i was like oh yeah come check this out and then bouncing around showing here and then in here and then in here and the light was on in the room already and we go in and I'm like, and this is this guy's room. And I like, as soon as I step in and say that, uh, the light bulb just explode, like sh two sparks shoot out the sides and the light bulb just bang, like bursts. And I was like, and we're going back upstairs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I didn't like, so I stayed away from that room because, you know, I was young and, you know, spirity and. And I was like, ooh, no, no, no. You had no, probably intuition too about it. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it was weird. And so I was spooked. Uh, and then the other time, 
you know, they had those when they first came out with those lightsabers, which was like a series of plastic that's smaller and smaller, and you sh- flipped it out. Totally. And and made the sounds and everything. I so, have one sitting over there, actually. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we had, we were having a lightsaber battle, me and my friend, in the dark through the basement. Ha ha ha. Because we just got them, and it was like a big party. And we went into that room, the same room, and we went, he charged in there, and I charged after him. And as soon as I came into the room and we clashed um, our lightsabers together, the light bulb exploded again and it shot sparks out again. And this time it must have sent out some kind of like EMP or something because both lightsabers froze on and they both were just going. And I had to rip the batteries out of them to get them to stop. And so it understandably i never went into that room ever again but okay and here is um the end of this story and i don't actually tell the end of this story very often but i feel like this is a safe space so yeah you're safe here tell it so i moved to another province that's what we have in canada provinces (laughs) so i moved to another province for a little bit Uh, and i came back to visit and i stayed at that house again and a lot of the same old roommates were there and stuff as particularly the guy who stayed whose room that was the whole time that I lived there. And I woke up in the night and he was like assaulting me. He was in my bed naked with like big heart on and like touching my genitals. And I was like, uh, what the fuck man? And he's like, Shh, no, it's okay. It's okay. I was like, no, <laughs> not okay. He's like, Shh, no, it's okay. It's okay. And I was like, no. And I left the room and I sat downstairs till I heard him leave. And then, you know, I, I thought, didn't really think much of it. Um, but then when I was like revisiting my, those, the spooky things, like, you know, we always think ghost stories and we think, oh my God, the ghost is trying to get kill me or it's going to hurt me or something. And I was like, man, it's like, was that ghost trying to warn me to stay the hell out of the predator's bedroom? Whoa. Yeah. Because it, it only ever happened that when I went. That gave me goosebumps. Yeah. The two times I went into that room, the only times it ever happened. And then yeah. I came back and that guy turned out to be a whole a fucking predator. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, I got goosebumps now too. It hit me. It's just the time delay for Zoom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So uh, Definitely. That, that's, that's another one of my spookers. I like that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I hate that that happened to you, but I love the stories where you can kind of see a different angle on it, where yeah. um, these spirits become something more than just a one-dimensional poltergeist, mm-hmm. but that's actually interacting with you. Um, yeah, and it's like, it's it's weird how it happens, too. I, I got, if we have time for, I got one more for you. Please. This is a pretty good, cool, I don't think I've actually told this one to many people, um, but right uh my wife and I went to Hawaii uh, shortly before we conceived our first, or more our kid. And uh, <clears throat> we, uh, so we went to the big island and then we went to Kauai and we had a great time on the big island. We ended up not having as much fun in Kauai, uh, but it was a weird and like really cool and crazy energetic place. Uh, it's also where they filmed Jurassic Park. It, the last day we were nice. there, we were eating and I looked out and it's exactly where they filmed the storm. And it's because that they were staying in that hotel. And when the hurricane hit, they went up and filmed on the roof. They got permission to film it. And so that scene of the hurricane is a hurricane there. And it's the dock right there. They also uh, have a crazy chicken infestation there. But it's they used to all be domesticated until that storm when they were filming Jurassic Park. And then all the chickens got set loose. 
and overtook the island. So they became like and compies. It, yeah. Isn't that so funny that that's they're like long. literally and they're that's an imaginal overflow. They fly up into the trees at night and you hear them all over the first morning in Kauai. I was like, that's what cool. what the fuck is going on? Like the entire island is is cocker cockadoodling at me. That's amazing. I know it's so it's like that's so Jurassic Park made that happen. Like Yeah. Right. I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. so we went to Kauai and we stayed in an Airbnb because, you know, that's totally the thing, right? And uh, we get in the Airbnb and uh, right away, like we take off our shoes because we're Canadian and uh, we go like crunch, crunch in our socks and we're like, oh. And then I look to the left and like this entire fruit bowl has been left to like rot like an offering to the fairies and it's just like lines of ants systematically, you know, taking it back to the hive and everything and uh, so right away. And then we went to go put our stuff in and the, like the blankets smelled like sweat. And we were like, Oh my God, like this is terrible. And energetically it, it was even grimier. Um, because he it was one of those dudes who is like into spirituality, but more into like collecting spirituality. Do you know what I mean by this? Like yeah. the place is filled with mishmashed objets that, don't belong together often we're like that probably shouldn't be out like that's a pretty serious deity that you have like sitting there yeah. on your table with like deities from other cultures that i don't know if they would be cool with and then like random things and while like you know i was just talking about being eclectic and depicting spirituality from other places there's one thing about having like an altar with something right there's one thing about honoring spirituality and having those things be a part of your practice and there's another thing of just collecting these objects because that's actual appropriation them. yeah and then I, I displayed all over it was more of a thing honestly i don't think it's as big as a thing as it used to be but so energetically it had like weird chaotic vibes and it was just like felt really energetically grimy so like the first i mocked <laughs> it's like all tight like i went and looked all over this guy's place we couldn't go in his bedroom or whatever because it was like locked because and he wasn't going to be there for the time we were there right and but we found in a closet a crappy mop and cleaned everything up and then we made plans the next morning to go to walmart and get some sheets and uh and some salt to do like an energetic cleansing yeah. right well so that night um there was like weird skittering on the rooftop, which probably just an animal, right? Probably just an animal. Could be a chicken. Followed, could be a prop. Well, yeah, it could be a chicken flying. Like they, they can't fly, but they can get up in a tree. They jump pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> this, this was pretty high up though. It was like on this big slope and it was built into the slope. So it was hey, like man. really These are dinosaur chickens. And then continue. his, his door like just slammed. Like, so he must've had his balcony door open or something. And in the wind, it's the middle of night. Cause he wasn't there, but the, uh, the balcony door in his room just slammed like crazy loud. And then I had a, I had a fucking hag attack. I had, to, um, well, like, so I couldn't, I was stuck in the end of like a dream kind of thing. Couldn't sit up going, uh, 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 you know, like an energetic, uh, attack. And so the next morning I was like, Oh my God, we got to go get some like salt and stuff. And so <clears throat> we just cleansed the house. We cleansed the house physically. We cleansed the house energetically, some salt around, got some good mojo going and actually had a pretty nice time for the rest of the time we were staying there. But this was one of the other nights, a couple days later that in the night we kept hearing this barking, like close, close, close to morning, like in the night. So it was before the roosters started their cacophony 
Uh, but there was like dark, like b- dogs barking. And then when we, we went to go the next day, we were going to do this big, big hike. And uh, we go to like pull out of the driveway onto the main road. And I look out and there's this crusty old orange El Camino sitting there. And behind the El Camino are three huge dead black dogs. Like, and they're all just lying there dead. And they're all just big and black. And so I turn what and I'm, I'm I'm slowly going by because I'm like going slow because I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, oh, that must have been the dogs, I guess. And I look and the guy who's sitting in there is like, um, he's got like a cigarette stained like m- mustache and he's wearing sunglasses and he's wearing like a, a grimy old, you know, your classic Hawaiian shirt kind of done with some chest hair sticking out. And he's got wrinkly, like tobacco smoker, like lifelong smoker skin. And he looks over at me. And even though he's got glasses on, it's like his eyes were like laser dots behind the glasses. And we and again, it's kind of like the owl thing. We made complete eye contact the whole time as I was going by. And he looked at me and he went, he went, hang, he gave me the hang loose sign and like up nodded at me and gave me a hang loose sign as I drove past. Holy shit. And I was like, that was fucking weird. And I was like, what? It's like the guy, the El Camino and the dead dogs and stuff. She's like, what? She's like that. I was like, we just turned out and there was dead dogs all lined up and an orange El Camino and this crusty guy. And uh, she's like, no, I, there, I didn't see any of that. And then I was just like, oh, oh. and then we were supposed to do a crazy big hike that day. Um, and we were going to do a second leg of it. But there had been warnings about like something bad happening like about like um it there being danger on the trail or whatever so we decided not to do the second half of it and then also at the midway point there's like a little sort of bay but it's not a really good swimming bay and people drown there all the time and i love the ocean and i barely barely ever get to go in the ocean i only went when i was 30 for like the first time ever and i uh i was just like man (laughs) it's like i'm not going in I like put my feet in a little and I didn't go in. And then, yeah, a bunch of hikers got like stuck that day higher up. Um, so yeah, it was the weirdest thing. And it was, we refer to it as like the time Hades told me to hang loose because it was just like yeah. these three dead black dogs. And what happened right before we went to Hawaii, my grandma died mm. like right before. And I was like, I, I've never really been able to settle on like, okay, so was this like a, uh, you know grandma made it to the underworld bro kind of thing because he almost looked like my my crusty uncle <laughs> in a weird way wow. i was like or was this like a hey head like heads up like maybe don't go hiking because there is a cerberus thing with the dogs too right yeah yeah exactly wow. that's why we joke about that but yeah. then the even weirder thing is um oh we went uh we were on the big island first, right? And then we went back for a couple of days and then came home. And we were home for like, uh, like a week, like, ten, like two weeks maybe. And the volcano went. And it wiped out, uh, not the place we were in Kauai, but the where we stayed on the big island. Um, it The map, it was right over there. And the place where we went snorkeling, and it was the first time I'd ever gone snorkeling, was gone completely it was like and i I got in to go snorkel for the first time and cut my finger like super bad like on a rock 
right there, like on my finger and I had a scar and I was like, I just got in. So I took my headband and I like just wrapped it around my hand enough to keep it from bleeding and just kept snorkeling for a bit because it wasn't from coral. It was from a rock. So I was like, well, I should be okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then like the, the, that happened. And then this explosion, I'm like, oh geez, I, I hope I didn't like accidentally give a blood offering to like, <laughs> and- <laughs> you might have. Sorry guys. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah, I think did did Mel tell you when she was on a, the story about when we went in the lava tubes? Because that was yes. those That's lava the tubes. Trip. They were right around the same place where that lava, where the it doesn't exist anymore because it was just covered with lava. So yeah, wow. Yeah, but I like I don't even know like. That's why I don't really tell that story because it kind of ends in this place where you're like, well, what do I do with that? But I feel like a lot of That's real life magical do. experiences end with well okay what do i do with that yeah like there's this thing of like well i think like a lot of the times for me like a good like weird magical story ends with this thought of like was that a person Mm -hmm. that i just encountered yeah you know like it's really cool thank you for sharing that yeah i and the she didn't see it at all which was so weird yeah that that part is really those dogs were huge and they were just lined up they weren't even in the el camino they were on the ground behind it lined up dead this is on the ground it was so fucking weird but yeah Kauai ended up being a really energetically like wacky wacky place and i when i was there i read a, a hoo-ha book that was in so okay the one of the uh yurts we stayed in in on the big island which was obliterated uh a couple of weeks after we were there um there was a a weird hoo-ha book. And like I've, you know, you by this point in the pro the program, you know that I saw a hoo-ha book and went, mm. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna, gonna read, read this. That's for me. Why is this in my yurt? That's amazing. Yeah. And it was some it was pretty hot nonsense. So like I talked about how I used to code them by colors and I'd go like green, yellow, a green, orange, you know, red, and then brown is what I called code. Like, holy shit. It's like code brown hoo-ha is like that's like wacky. This is right up there. And they had this whole section on um, the southernmost island and all of like the UFO experiences and weird timey wimey like Skinwalker Ranch stuff that happens there. Yeah. Yeah. And just like all sorts of weird little experiences like that. Um, and like most of them in Kauai, though. Uh, yeah. We, st- we went to go on a hike one time and we couldn't find the hike. And we were like, it was closed. And we were like, oh, so we went back to the parking lot and there were giant tortoises walking around. Just giant, like, but like right beside the parking lot. And we we're like, what the fuck? And so we started going around it and it was like this experimental tortoise. They were doing an experiment that tortoises, land tortoises could uh, revitalize damaged areas that had like types of soil problems by just roaming around. And so it, it ended up like, but Inside the parking lot, it was just this random place where there was this whole bunch of corrals of these massive dinosaur-like land tortoises. And so instead of going on this cool hike we were going to do, which had this cave that opened into like a grotto, we like, it, it, and we lived like a true dino. We were just kept going. Yeah, they do move in herds. Yeah, and they yeah, just taking all these up close pictures of them like. That's awesome. Bro. Slow chewing grass. Um, yeah, weird place people are like would you go to quiet again i'm like i don't know if i would yeah i'm i might no i might not i think nice just in case yeah uh, no yeah you know. sometimes you just get enough 
maybe I just want to meet Hades once. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if I want to ride in the El Camino. Of course. But I have always wanted to ride in, El, in an El Camino. That's interesting too, the fact that it, what it, like it means. It was the layers love. of it. Yeah. You know, and when you think about like, okay, even if that was just a magical vision for me, what is the symbolism of each thing? And is it specifically, is it personal? Like, are, are all of those little images a like specific message to me? Or is it something that could have, the other people would have interpreted, you know, in a similar sort of way? Ooh. Yeah. Really cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing those. That's awesome. Yeah. No worries, man. Yay. It is uh, Devil's Night, isn't it? Yeah. It's the third. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Tomorrow's Halloween. So, might very as well nice. Have some spook. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, real quick, do you want to um, tell people where they can find you? Yeah, um, I, I, you know, I have a few different domains for like the names of my different things, but they all end up just leading you to my website, anyways. Um, it's kind of the way you have to be nowadays because I'm not just a one-dimensional person. I have like a whole bunch of facets. So you can go to uh, Matt Boisvert or Boisvert, Matt .ca, um, and hopefully you'll type that in the notes there. Um, if yes. you want to see my astrology comics, it's astromg.com or don't, that's also .ca, sorry, astromg.ca. And uh, my non-astrology ones, if you're like, oh, astrology is bullcrap, but you still want to see funny far side like cartoons, you can go to hoo-ha.ca. Uh, and then my band is collectiveunconscious.ca. But like I said, those all just take you to mattbofair.ca anyways where you can read about uh, sound healing stuff i'm doing uh albums i have coming out look at some of my old paintings all that wacky fun stuff yeah and i actually just uh got a newsletter going and if you sign up for my newsletter you get my new album uh air for free and it's awesome. kind of like a tarot based thing so yeah check it out awesome thank you so much for coming on i had a great time chatting and i hope you Thanks, have a too. good rest of your devil's night <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go finish carving pumpkins with my daughter and have family dinner. Awesome. So hopefully, hopefully they haven't burned everything down yet. Right. Well, that's <laughs> they, hopefully they save some to burn for you. Right. <laughs> hey, thanks, Tim. Cheers, buddy. Thanks, man. Do you? experience weird shit? Do your parents not like to tell their friends about what you do in the woods? Do you make more friends in a graveyard than you do at a party populated by living humans? Do you have interactions with beings that are not strictly considered human? Do other people look at you like you're crazy when you mention talking to trees in casual conversation? If you fist pumped or even just answered yes to any of these questions, you may be a nightbird. So let's sing together. If you'd like to come on the show and flap your gums with me, share your stories, or just talk about the malleable nature of reality for a while, then send me an email at tim at nightbirdpodcast.com. That's tim at nightbirdpodcast.com. I'd love to have you on the show. But until then, I gotta fly. But before I go, let me say this. Remember, you are never alone. I believe you. <laughs>